0: And welcome to Garage Night. I am Randy.
1: I'm Andy.
2: And I'm Dan. I wanted to thank you guys for having me on again with Randall Wayne and Dr. Tamlin. I appreciate it.
1: <laughs> and tonight, Randy will talk about his dealership adventures. Danny will update us about the Jeep, and I'll probably complain about something uh, ford related
0: So we'll just go ahead and, and get right into it. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and and lead off because, boy, was it a whole thing. (laughs) Boy, howdy. So, like, the day after we recorded our, our previous episode, I had to take the X5 into the BMW dealership now. Portland is wonderful because it has two dealerships. One in the heart of Portland and one on the northwest side of the city. And both terrible. Uh I, I like the one I go to, but uh, unfortunately, I live southwest outside or southeast outside of town, so it's the complete wrong side, and it's the worst traffic.
1: To yeah, what's it, like through. an hour drive each way for you?
0: It's it's either 40 minutes or an hour and 40 minutes, depending on traffic. Like, legitimately, yeah. it, it's that.
2: Well, you just don't drive between 6 and 9 in the morning and 4 and 7 in the evening.
1: No, no, it's Portland. Don't drive between 6 and 9 p.m., period. <laughs>
0: So, uh, I, we, we drove the car out there. Uh, we dropped it off. No problem. We used the five series for our family commuter. And I drove my little, little blue Ranger for, uh, about a week. No problem. They were fixing, uh, the airbags on the back, uh, were starting to leak. So we replaced those, uh, the aforementioned, uh, sunroof leak. We had them address that, um, and a couple little things and so we went to go pick it up and uh, When we finally got it picked up, uh, I decided you know what it's Saturday. We got here early we're just gonna we swapped the car seats over and We took the x5 out and I'll leave the 5 series get the oil changed because it, it was to that time uh, to get it changed and Uh, you know, Jeeves is busy. So I, you know, and I would have had to do it myself out. I don't do my own work. So we went ahead and we cruised around town as, as much as you can nowadays. And, uh, went go, went back to pick it up a couple hours later. Uh, got in the car, uh, started up, got onto the road and noticed that I had a flashing light. I'm like, that's weird. I'm, I have check engine lights, but this is different. This is like a flashing red one. And it says, uh, check brake fluid level. Okay, that's not great. And about that instant, I'm coming up to the first red light to go under the uh, highway overpass. And uh, I get on the brakes, and they go basically to the floor.
1: Oh, I've been there. That's not yeah. good. That's not fun.
0: I had enough pressure to get the vehicle to stop. I immediately, uh, you know, don't tell the cops, pulled out my phone because I don't have hands-free at this point and uh and i call my wife who's in the car behind me and i said oh okay there's something seriously wrong here i got to turn around and go back and she said yeah you're smoking (laughs) oh no yeah that's a bad sign
1: yeah
0: so i you can kind of see where this is going uh and i went and i turned around i went right back in and pulled into the service center and i told him hey i got no brakes this isn't this isn't going to work oh okay so they, they pulled the car back immediately and uh, about a half an hour they got back to me and they said, okay, we definitely found the problem. So on the E39, uh, most of the braking system is of course a bent hard line as it should be. Yes. Yeah. There are two segments in it that are rubber hose. Uh-oh. Um, one of them is coming up uh, kind of between the front shock mount and the rear of the front shock mount um and there was a brake that happened i mean the brakes were fine when i dropped it off for the oil change so it was they do a safety test before they let you take the car and so they had pumped up the brakes and so between them pumping up the brakes and then me using the brakes the first time to leave their parking lot Uh, it split the hose and it split it in just the direction to shoot brake fluid directly on my uh, exhaust manifold.
1: Oh, that's nice.
0: (laughs) So that was the smoke. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, that checks out. Convenient. uh, By this time, we had spent the whole day, you know, at the dealership around the dealership. So it was less than an hour before they closed. They said, we don't have the part. We're going to have to get the parts. This is Saturday. So they offered me a loaner and I'm like, cool, I'll take a loaner. I love driving anything new. So I took the loaner and, uh, and I, okay, we'll let you know. Uh, I ended up getting it almost a week later on the following Friday because they had to try and get the part in from a neighboring city. And of course they're closed on the weekend. And then, Uh, They weren't able to ship it out on Monday. And then Tuesday, we started getting some snow, which any snow downtown means.
1: Means nothing functions.
0: Yeah. Because it only snows every year. (laughs) So no problem, because the whole time I had a pretty neat little loner that I have, my emotions have gone up and down on. Uh, They gave me a brand new, and I mean less than 150 miles. Brand new 2021 BMW, of course, 330i X-Drive. So what this is, is this is the new base model. Uh, It is technically the lowest model they have, but this one had all the options because they want to sell you a car. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. And it wasn't, I expected to get something on the grayscale because that's all German cars do is, you know, different shades of gray. But it was this... Really neat, kind of an aqua blue with a like a brown, uh, basketball kind of colored interior. Hmm.
2: I've seen that new blue. Is that the same one that they had on the M3s before?
0: No, That's- it's not like a bright grabber blue, it's more of a uh, not not pearlescent, but still the kind of that uh,
1: it's like a, it's like that white, very white metallic kind of blue.
0: Yeah, it had a lot of flake in it. It was, it was, yeah very attractive to me and it had bigger wheels it was kind of luxury kitted uh but it was very nice i mean big alloys on it and x drives was all wheel drive and i did end up driving it in the snow and uh up a couple of snowy hills and the thing did great it's got a 255 horsepower about 320 foot pound of torque uh turbo two liter four-cylinder Uh, with an eight-speed automatic and uh, the all-wheel drive system with actually really good traction control Um, because I had an icy morning one of the mornings. But it had all types of buttons and switches. So, of course, I'm telling Jeff about this, and uh, he hated it.
1: Hates all of it, yeah.
0: All of it. Um, Have you guys had any experience? And, Andy, does your car have uh, the Exploder, does it have lane-keep assist? Yes, it does. What do what are your guys' feelings on on that? Do you, do you feel it's invasive?
1: It's not. So I've driven the newer Toyotas with the lane keep assist, and it's. I do want to say it was pretty invasive. It was very give you a lot of feedback, and it like actually gave you like a lot of a nudge or a push when you would kind of drift in the newer Toyotas. The exploder does have lane keep assist, but it's it it does it's not very like it gives you enough of a nudge to know it's like, hey, it's pushing you back in and you know it's like letting you know you're crossing over, but it's not overly invasive. It gives you enough that's like, hey, you're wandering, but it's not causing you like the Toyotas, I felt like it was like it would it would go off and it would make you want to overcorrect the explorer doesn't do that i get that like it'll drift and it it gently nudges you back in but not to the point where it makes me want to be like oh shoot i'm drifting over and like want to overcorrect to come back because it's telling me i, I need to come back like it just kind of does it and by the time i realize it it's you know it's back in its own way it doesn't make me want to feel like i need to to you know overcorrect or you know um you know, just just come back in a hurry. It's it's very subtle.
0: Yeah, the three series was nice because it 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 did physically turn the wheel, but only a little bit, and you could adjust for a low, medium, or high for that. Mm. And pretty much everything had three settings in this car. So I liked. I eventually ended up turning it off just because you know the gearhead in me is like, oh, I want to drive my car because it, it did it enough times that it started. Making me wonder if I'm not paying attention when I drive. Yeah, uh, but what it is is I equally bad habit. I tend to cross over uh, on certain roads that are twisty that I can see. I'll I'll get at least really close or touch the yellow line. Mm-hmm. Or at night, uh, in the rain, at night, I will hug the yellow line, and so it would just intervene more than I wanted it to. So I ended up turning it off.
2: So essentially, is it just going to, if your signal is not activated, it's going to let you know when you go outside.
0: It will not keep you from uh, changing lanes. I mean, BMWs barely have blinkers at all. We know this. Right. So yeah.
1: yeah. I,
0: I had no problems doing a, a BMW lane change. <laughs> Though that was fine. It's if you have any amount of steering input, and it didn't, it doesn't function until 40 miles an hour so anything below that and it just it doesn't even try Mm. so it's it's meant meant for it's it's meant because you're traveling down the freeway you've got the cruise control set and it has uh it has that basically for when you look down at your phone when you look down at your radio when you reach down to grab your bagel you know on your commute it's it's for it's for those people
1: yeah I don't know. I don't that know if sense. the Explorer has a certain trigger speed or not. I haven't. I haven't really noticed it at, at low speeds and whatnot. So I want to say it probably does too, but I don't know exactly what that would be.
0: Yeah, the BMW had a big like eleven inch uh, center stack screen, big massive iPad on there, mm-hmm. and so when anything would happen like that, or you're going through the settings, it it had, it was very elegant, but it had a lot of information available to you. Um, I'm going to speed this up a little bit because there's so much to talk about with this car. Um, it had, it had the three different, you know, driving modes. It had comfort, which was what it always started with, which was very nice, but a little dull and you could go to uh, sport or eco pro. Uh, I did notice on my commute, uh, I was able to go in sport kind of driving. Like I do, I got 31 miles to the gallon. Uh, on my commute but when i did eco pro and didn't go more than two miles an hour over the speed limit and was a little gentler on acceleration i got 39 dang that's significant wow that doesn't suck no um and uh that that was downhill so going uphill i got 36 but it still averaged to like 37 and a half so that's still extremely good for a big luxury car yes Um, the thing had a heads up display, full color, uh, display could display music, could display turn by turn directions, would display your, um, tachometer on like a red, uh, a red bar for sport mode automatically. Uh, you had full access to a suite of information, including where the power was going, like which wheels it was going to, um, full G meter in all directions, uh, real-time torque and horsepower output. Um, just anything you could think of that you could, you could pull up on either the center stack or a limited amount on the TFT digital uh, instrument panel.
1: You know, it, it, it's just crazy to, to make this gap, but look at Fox bodies, right? Up mm-hmm. to 93 versus now, 20 years later, the difference in technology.
0: It's incredible. I mean, the the Fox body is the speedometer bounces until it gets to 30.
1: Right. It's still a mechanical, mechanically driven speedometer. You mm-hmm. know, and now we're talking about varying, you know, power and torque to wheels and, you know, different drive settings. Whereas a Fox body, a different, a different drive setting was what shoes you wore that day.
0: I can hear Jeff crying as i'm <laughs> as we're talking about this car um, no it's it's really interesting cuz i was about to say there's no physical gauges in that car not a one right. it's all it's all digital it's all tft screens or yeah. you know big lcds and i like it as far as like ease of driving for a for an appliance for a car to drive <laughs> i i really liked that car going we're to driving, work and back watching, Yeah. Taking the kids going and getting dinner. All that was great. Yeah. But I will say I, I, I felt it was fast. I felt it was pretty capable in sport mode. When I went back and I turned that in and I got back in the five series, I didn't make it two miles before I knew for a fact I wanted that. I wanted my five forty more than I wanted that brand new three series. Mm. Absolutely. Like I, I enjoyed the act of driving so much more. It's that V8 is so effortless and fun. And the steering wheel, although a thinner rim, which generally you want that thick, smaller diameter rim uh, for a wheel. It just that hydraulic power steering BMW has not yet found its soul after the F 30 generation. And this newer one is not F 30. It's, it's beyond that now. Um, it's a G something, Mm -hmm. but yeah, like after the E 90, they just don't feel right to like the steering is vague and they haven't fixed that. And until they do, I don't, I don't know if I can recommend the new one.
1: It's because it's gone from driver to luxury and comfort more so than it has driving and haptic feel and, you know.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what I felt it was. The, the, what I, the three series was a better car. Yes. But the five series is what I wanted to keep driving.
1: Right. Yeah. For a driver, for a, you know, responsive, you know, feel of a car, it's, you know, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, the Explorer, um, compared to, you know, driving the Explorer daily versus my focus, the Explorer is a hell of a lot more car than the focus. It's quicker. It's faster. It's got more creature comforts and everything, but the focus is still, you get more feel in it. Like I can drive the Explorer, put it in sport mode and put my foot down. And yeah, it's going to kill the, the focus zero to sixty, zero to a hundred by seconds, you know, significantly, but yes. you get more feel in the focus, you know, in a car that's fifteen years older.
0: Don't we don't we sound like automotive journalists or just some caricatures of ourselves or of Jeff? It's like, oh, these old cars just feel better. They got more soul to it. Like
1: we're yeah. we're just twenty years more twenty or forty years more current than Jeff, that's all.
0: Yeah, it, it sounds it sounds like a bunch of crap, but I did this like the s- physical size of my five series and the three series I was in they're about the same length, about the same width you know uh relatively close horsepower numbers really you know mm-hmm. 320 versus 300 300 like that's pretty close uh the three series is heavier yeah uh but I mean it's you would think it might be a little bit better balanced because it doesn't have the big v8 up v8 up front but they are both 50 50 because hmm. BMW, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it's really eye opening to do that shift from one to the other and say, Oh, well people aren't saying that just because it's the cool thing to say. There's, there is some validity to that rambling. Um, so speaking of rambling, I will stop rambling. Um, <laughs> uh, Daniel, I don't know how much you have, but, uh, if you have any, any other thoughts on what I'm, what we were just talking about before we close out, you can address those and then uh, let us know any updates on the Jeep or any other, if, if you figured anything out with Lyft or any of that.
2: Well, I will say that uh, driving your 540 was an experience. Um, really enjoyed it. So I can see why, you know, that one almost feels analog. I imagine coming mm-hmm. out of a brand new three series. And, uh, but more, I would say it probably feels more analog in a good way. Uh, there's, there's really nothing new on the Jeep. I'm still waiting. There were more paperwork issues and they tomorrow, uh, the dealership should be finally getting the paperwork and they told me they only needed one day, which means I should be picking it up on Thursday, but we will see. Um. I'm not going to do all the modifications immediately. Um, I want to drive it stock briefly, and then if Andy happens to be out here, he can drive it. And I'll I'll bring it out to you, Randy, so you can drive it. Yeah, stock baseline is think. nice
0: because then when you put a lift and wheels and stuff on it, you can, you know, you'll know how much ride you did or didn't lose. Right. You know? It's a Wrangler, so I don't think you bought it with creature comforts necessarily in mind, but I mean, it's, it is also a new car with a mm, I was going to say decent interior, but it's still FCA. Hmm.
2: I did not get it for the Nobody interior. Um, I got a nice system and a stick shift and that's all I wanted. So uh, I am curious what you guys think about performance upgrades on it. I almost went nuts because there's a supercharger kit that gets you 350 to the wheels. Do it. Boost, like, eh.
0: it.
1: Boost all the things.
2: Yeah, but that would invalidate
0: My, the whole engine. So, of fact, uh big Because boost. Well, this is kind of what we were talking about.
2: What do you guys think about intake, exhaust? And yeah, we were talking technology? about this a
0: little bit last last episode. Um, and I would I would say I'm probably still in the same boat. That make sure that because you got that extended warranty, that's important. Make sure that whatever you do doesn't invalidate anything further down the line. Um, you know, you don't, you don't want your cams to not be covered because you put an intake on it. But if I were you Mm -hmm. in the same situation, again, I drive it stock for, I don't know, five to 10,000 miles, just kind of depending on how much you drive it. I know you, uh, you don't really have to commute too much. So, um, maybe, you know, five, to 10,000 miles or a year is what I would do. And then I would start figuring out what Start do I need grow. the most? Uh, yeah. You know, do you want to use up some more of the tires? Um, and cause I know if you do the engine modifications first, then you'll feel it slowed down when you put the wheels and tires on it, but inversely put the wheels and tires on it. Then you put more power to it later. You'll, if nothing else, psychosomatically feel like, Oh yeah, this helped pep it back up. Right. So I would probably do lift and wheels and what? tires first. And then I'd probably do a snorkel intake. Uh, and the, uh, did you say Bassani or Borla?
2: I was thinking about the Borla cause they have a climber exhaust that mm-hmm. is an S type, but it's in, uh, specifically made for Jeeps. And so the way that it's bent, it goes, uh, up and over the axle and stuff. Yeah, so there's no I think that would be a good
0: issues. idea because if nothing else, that is actually useful for, for, you know, a use case of, of, of going through, uh, you know, water and stuff. So I probably do those maybe. I was
2: thinking about when I actually go to do the modifications, ordering all the parts, getting everything and doing, uh, doing all of the modifications at once is what I was thinking. Driving a stunt for a bit. And then it's going to feel like a different car with a lift, wheels, and tires anyways. And so my whole idea was whatever I'm putting to the wheels stock, doing – and maybe not a tune, but if I just did an intake and exhaust, I would get probably in the ballpark of back to – close to where I was going uh, or, or what I had stock at the wheels. Because I'm only going to 35s, and it has 32 stocks. So it's not – it's a change, but it's huge. not a massive Yeah, I mean,
1: change. I would think if you do a, a decent example, you, you can get a huge power drop
2: Going from 35s to 37s is where you see – on the curve, you start to see – some. Yeah, it, it like is
0: that. an exponential uh, increase. Uh, just put 44s on it and call it a day. But <laughs> I, I do understand the uh, – I'm in the same way where I like a uh, – you know, overhauling with Daniel Stover episode where mm. you you send a, a stock vehicle in and have all of the goodies done, and you have a like a a before and after picture. The idea of going yeah. like 24 hours and having basically a new rig again, yeah, that's cool. My then my brain starts starts going into some of the tackier mods that you could do um, that just make me chuckle when I see them.
2: Well, probably nothing on the exterior besides a snorkel, and then I probably will get. Uh, brush guard. I think whatever. the
0: last time I saw a uh, a modded Wrangler that didn't have a high lift strap to it somewhere. Yep.
2: I saw yeah. one of those today.
0: Um, yeah, that I I would say it wouldn't hurt. Uh, again, if you're trying to get power, boost is always the answer, but boost requires those supporting mods anyway.
1: Boost.
0: I'm really just trying to
2: make up for the power that I'm losing I think lose you can make most of
0: that up. Uh, and and keep it acting about the same way and i'd say go with whatever is happy with your warranty for now and then when that runs out cue andy
1: yeah yeah
0: well they
2: they legitimately make because i just went uh, you know it's is it the greatest engine out there no but is it by this point in the time the pentastar pretty is a very good yeah. engine just there six um, the Pentastar V6, it's not, there's nothing hugely wrong with it. And so putting out 285 and 260 stock, um, they say they can get you up to 350 on both at the wheels with the supercharger kit. They have, And that's
0: going to be really under stress yeah. if it's only gaining that because you have, still have to have supporting mm-hmm. mods with it again. So remember, it's not giving you yeah. all of that just with the boost. Andy, what do you think that thing is pushing, like, five to seven pounds, maybe? Well, that's what it says, yeah. It's not going to be a
1: lot on a a basic, you know, bolt-on kit. It's pretty minuscule because they don't want you throwing a friggin', you know, rod out of the block right away, throwing 15 pounds at it.
0: Yeah, they're going to undershoot uh, for longevity. I mean, the same reason that the new diesel pickups, you can tune them and get 50% more power with a tune. Like, they're super capable of it. But they they underrate you uh, specifically for reliability's sake, um, because regardless of what mods you've done to it, people are more than happy to go out onto a forum and go, my two year old car bit the dust. It's Like, well, you put a four liter Whipple on it without you know taking care of the the connecting <laughs> rods or you know studying the heads. You're running fourteen pounds out of a big old Whipple. Oh, stupid engine's junk. Well. You, mm-hmm. So. Well,
1: sure, you went full Cletus on it.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah.
2: But I don't know. I might just uh, – I mean, there's tons of them rolling around with, you know, just a lift kit, wheels and tires like that with no other sporting mods. And, and you can totally do it. I just uh, – the Jeep as it is stock, um, you know, is it fast? No but it's also yeah, no, not. It's
1: not supposed to be fast. That's the thing. It's not going to be, it's not a sports right. car. It's going to be peppy. It's going to be snappy, but it's not going to be fast. It,
0: it's a, it's an SUV, you know, it, it's right. going to do the SUV but, thing.
1: It's like the same thing with the Explorer. It's not super fast, but it is definitely quick. It's peppy. Even my heavy but diesel it's SUV. SUV. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's, it's still like you put your foot down and you feel the torque. You know, right. 420 foot-pounds of torque still feels good, even with a 5,500 pound vehicle. But you know, when you think, "Oh, this thing's fast," you put it up against like a a '90s GTI, and you get smoked.
1: Oh, that's <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reality check.
0: But this does oh, yeah. this does remind me though. But then
1: off road. Um,
0: I do believe that a '99 GT five speed is in fact slower to 60 than a punk kid in a blue 2005 four liter ranger five speed
2: oh like you're doing an uphill start Uh,
0: excuses excuses
1: excuses (laughs) uh
0: no i think that sounds that all sounds great i would i'd love to to ride in it with the supercharger especially because if nothing else you're paying for the blower wine which is fun
1: Well, boy, boy, do
0: I never hurt anybody? Well, no, that, that's more of a, uh, you know, yeah,
1: maybe the, way down the road. But warranty, but for sure.
2: Yeah, so that's at 75,000 miles for that. So yeah. that's going to be a while. But, uh, no, I mean, uh, the lift kit, wheels, and tires, uh, I'm not waiting a year. That's going to happen yeah. relatively quickly. Go good. for it. But just because I've, I've looked at so many of them. And my favorite uh I hate to use the word stance. No, it's
0: it's That's fine. Not... You it, it just as long as you don't say nation after it, it it's just fine. <laughs> okay. It's all right, all right, I guess you're... <laughs>
2: uh I don't I don't like the look of it necessarily stock as much, but I I'm also not compensating, so I don't want <laughs> a six inch lift on um, I will say
0: you have a good taste in Instance, stance uh your f-150 is you just leveled it and put 33s on it which i think is i mean th- i think that's that's the perfect thing maybe a little bit wider than stock tires by like half an inch kind of push the shoulders out a little bit and that's it you know it doesn't even need to clear the fender flares you know it's best if it doesn't but just giving it a little bit of a stronger footing but you know uh, by by visual standards I think what you're describing for the lift, for the Wrangler. And again, a Wrangler is like Legos, right? Like yeah, you're, su- you're supposed to mess with it. That's the yeah, whole point. Right.
2: No, absolutely. And uh, I like the idea of a couple of the maybe quote unquote silly things like the snorkel. I think those look kind of cool and they're kind of silly, but they're also, I don't know. It's just a, it, it's a Jeep thing and it it's silly in a way that I kind of like. Can, so, I can, uh, can I tangent off of that like for a second?
0: You know, we're to... I, I was actually talking to my wife about this the other day. I'm I'm at odds. How do you guys feel about ugly modifications? Because I'm trying to be a nicer person, and when I see a what is what I think is clearly an ugly modification, I try to remember the things that Andy did to the escort and go. I was just
1: gonna say that. You
0: know what? This person is enjoying their car as long as it's not something dangerous, like I don't sure. know, massive negative camber to the to the point that you have cords showing. Um, yeah, that's as, long as long as it's not, as long as it's not safety related, uh, a victory pipe with a flapper on an escort is hilarious. <laughs>
1: yes, so well, I'm trying to not in, in your skin, Why not?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to not judge as much, and like, but I I do get to laugh at it like that's that's i still get to laugh at it but you know what i don't i don't hate people for bad modifications anymore you know what i think that uh infinity looks really bad it's a bad g35 but you know what as long as they drive respect respectfully and they have fun and they're happy no harm no foul um or are there just bad modifications people shouldn't do I don't know. I'm trying to think. Like I think there's some really <laughs> ugly, like purple purple halos on a Jeep. Okay. Like you see I those in the headlights, those big like purple halos and stuff they'll put in. Yeah.
1: Colored halos drive me up yeah. a wall, and I hate them with a passion, just like I hate any sort of colored underglow.
0: Or rubber, rubber band, band tires, tires are friggin', friggin dumb. Well, on a, he said it on a lifted truck too. That's yeah. Twenty twenty four is on a lifted uh, uh, Escalade with yeah, just the. Uh, 15 series tires
2: or when you see like uh, you know i've seen this a few times now and this you know i might be controversial on this but the um you see newer trucks you know uh uh, you know your f350 and they've thrown probably because they're already higher so they've thrown probably only a three or four inch lift on like 37s um but then they've got like 22s -hmm. on it i hate that it just doesn't uh, the the tire-to-wheel ratio just looks <laughs> dumb, and you're effectively canceling out part of the capability that you're supposed to be achieving with that. Gus, I,
1: speaking of, on, on the same lines, have you guys seen the uh, Challenger Hellcat with the old wooden buggy wheels on it that they did a burnout oh, with?
0: Oh, yeah, everyone, everyone's seen that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, along the same lines. So,
0: Like as far as capability like that, one thing that bothers me um, that I, you know, I'm trying not to judge, but it's, uh, it annoys me people with, especially a brand new or any year dually truck with a lift. Listen, folks, Uh you bought bought a dually to increase your towing capacity, Right. right? There's no other reason to buy a dually. You lift Bro,
1: it, boy, it, princess, small crawler,
0: owing capacity by a lot like i just can't wrap my mind around like at that point you have to admit i am buying a dually because i think it looks cool and i want it and i can afford it and if you're willing to come out and say that i guess it's easier for me but when people go oh i need a dually for towing And then two weeks later, like, yeah, I threw a four inch lift on it with some 22s. Like you can't, but just then, but don't do that thing because now you might as well just have a diesel F one fifty. but it's harder to get to the bed. That's the other thing. It's harder to get to the bed. Yep. That is true. I don't know. To each their own, but you can also be wrong. So.
2: No, it's fine. They did it. Um, I'm not going to say anything to somebody on the the mods they made on the car. It just, it's nice because I get to see what kind
0: of person they are before yep. I it G- gives you something so You don't shoot your mouth off if, if nothing else. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, uh, Daniel, is that, uh, what you've got for, uh, this week? Uh, yes. Okay. So, uh, Andy, I know he's had a lot of success lately with his vehicles. Everything's running great. Uh, yeah, he's been uh, on quite a tear. So, uh, Andy, tell us about that.
1: Well, the reign of terror is over. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The, so we missed last week's last week, last episodes. We kind of, we didn't really hit rides much, but, uh, that's when things started to go downhill more or less. So it's been a couple weeks. Um, so we, I took the Mustang over to Portland and in process, I'm uh, fairly sure it was a, <clears throat> uh, like a retread of a tire off of like a, a big rig semi whatnot laying in the highway, and I drilled that at about 80, and it destroyed the chin splitter oh. on the Cobra. Oh. Um, I think it did that, and it knocked, I think it knocked a wheel weight off one of the right front wheel, too. It, it hit it pretty significantly, so it's got a bit of a shake, too. Uh, so there's that to fix. Um, got it over there, and the day before I took it back, the blower started winding really bad, and I was like, well, that doesn't sound good, and I have to drive it 400 miles back. So I pulled the blower off the car the morning before I drove it back, and it was short about an ounce of oil, and that the blower only takes, like, six, six ounces of oil, oh. so it was one-sixth of the oil missing. That's being, like, a quart down in your engine, then. Yeah, yeah, it was significant, so... Yeah. took that off I had to basically service that um luckily one of the park stores in town carries the right oil for it um <clears throat> so i got lucky on that refilled it um we figured out two of the mounting bolts on that blower actually go inside of the case where there's oil and that's where my leak came from um So we put some thread sealer on that and fixed a leak on it too, which was good, which is why it was short of oil, long story short. Um, So we got that all sealed up and got my yearly oil change on the blower done. (laughs) Uh, Went to mount the blower back on the car and two of the three mounting points were stripped. One of them being a stud um, beneath the alternator the other being one of the threads in the head. So two of the three mounting points are stripped on the, on the, for the mounting the blower, which I need to fix. The downs the problem with that is it doesn't pull the blower plate, the plate that the blower mounts to tight to the motor. So it wants to kick the belt or rib off of the blower as well. So I basically limped it back on four of the six ribs on the blower. Oh no. And luckily didn't cut the belt.
0: Well, at least at least you got lucky uh at that point. Could have been worse. Um that sucks. Uh so let's see. Um my question I guess would be, uh the the two that are bad there, uh is that something that you can helicoil those or uh what's that gonna take to get those fixed?
1: I can probably helicoil the one. <clears throat> Um, that's in the head, the passenger side head. I can probably heal a coil that or try and put an insert in it. Um, the stud, I don't know what the deal is with that one. Um, it's a stud that comes out of the motor somewhere. I don't know exactly where it, I can't remember where it comes out, but basically the, um, it kind of sits onto the stud and it takes a nut to tighten up on the front and it basically was just, it would tighten and just, just spin basically. So I don't know what the deal is with that.
0: How much room do you have to work around those two areas? Is it like
1: you have the little, room, very it's a four little. valve. It's a four valve motor in a, in a 99 Mustang. There's very little room. Hmm. Um, once I figured out the solution, though, is um, if I can figure out the you know helicoil or put an insert in the head and, and get that one to tighten up, the one that. The mount that's in the stud isn't terrible. I can just kind of force a second nut to have like a jam nut kind of set up on it to get it to tighten up. Um, and I'm going to create a, like a secondary mount um, that comes off of the blower. So there's there's about six or seven bolts that bolt the blower to the mounting plate. And the mounting plate is what mounts to the, to the block. Um, one of the, bolts that bolts the blower to the mounting plate i can actually take out and it's right at the very top i'm going to take that out and i think i'm going to put a um like a stud in that with a nut to mount that to the plate and i can actually um extend that to the top of the cam cover and there's a mount that kind of protrudes off of that and i'm going to make a um mount to keep that tight Um, basically what it's going to do is it's going to keep the blower from tilting forward. If that mountain would ever get loose below, it will keep that tight because it will physically won't have anywhere to go. And it will keep the belt from jumping off two ribs again. Boy. Um,
0: it's a well, process. <laughs> good good luck with that. Uh, what about the focus? Is it doing a little uh, better?
1: F- focus all of a sudden, uh, it, it runs and drives pretty decent. Um, it's been consuming brake fluid, which I don't know why. I don't see a leak underneath it anywhere. Um, if you're not familiar with that. So the focus uses, the SVT focus uses um, the same reservoir to feed the brake master cylinder and the clutch master cylinder on that. And I noticed it because I was starting to miss shifts in like from one to two and two to three that like you wouldn't normally miss just driving, you know, casually, not like running hard even. And I was like, well, why am I missing one to two? This isn't, this shouldn't be a thing.
0: Well, is was there, like, is oh, there yeah. someone telling you don't miss third?
1: Jeff, subconsciously, yes. Okay. But... Yeah, it's like why why is this missing and then it got worse and it got worse and then one day it got to the point where I couldn't get it in first on a stop at a stop by getting off the freeway. i was like, "Well, oh, that's not normal." Okay, well some, you know, obviously there is an issue somewhere and it took about it took a significant amount of fluid in the reservoir and I had to bleed it out again. Like, oh, that's not normal. So I don't know where if it's got a leak or if it's consuming or what. I I would suspect the slave cylinder is probably leaking, but I don't have a puddle underneath the car anywhere. So, so that's
0: on my ranger. The uh, clutch uh, cylinder is inside the bell housing, right? So it's impossible to see, and it's possible that I that you can just mm. leak it out yeah. and just fill up the bell housing full of fluid.
1: Yeah, uh, in theory. you know you're not wrong because that's where the bleeder is too.
0: It's right on top of the bell housing. So I wonder, maybe that's where your fluid is going—is into the bell housing. You're probably not wrong. Because it's the same era of, uh, and I think they're both Mazda transmissions at the end of the day, unless that's a Tremec.
1: I, I, you know, I can't remember. Some of them, they put tremics in. Some of them, some of them are Gitrags.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I can't remember exactly what it is, but either way, I know it's not normal.
0: Yeah, it's the same era of Ford. I'd say at least look into that.
1: Yeah, that's probably a safe, and I think that's what my dad said, too, is more than likely it's a slave cylinder it's leaking out of, or something needs to be replaced. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, other than that, the um, yeah, the trunk I popped the other day, I was cleaning out um, a bunch of stuff I had in the trunk, and I didn't realize I had um, yellow shop rags in the truck. I was like, well, that's weird that I would leave those in there, so I, I lifted up the You know, the little fake flooring in the back of that little, you know, wooden carpet deal. Mm -hmm. Pull the yellow rags out and I go, hmm, these are damp. And I looked underneath the spare tire and I'll be damned if there wasn't uh, a half a gallon of water around my spare tire.
0: Oh, Oh, I've I've Uh been here, done that. Yep. Two questions. First of all, uh, does it have a sunroof? Yes. Okay. Okay. So uh-huh. I know where you're
1: going with
0: this. The, yeah, that's that's a very likely culprit. Uh-huh. Uh huh. So just you know, do an internet search and and look up look up that because that's probably where it's coming from because they probably run tubes down, uh, oh, the, yeah. down the roof rails and into the outside of the trunk there, and that's right. probably where that they
1: went was, out. That was my guess because the trunk seal itself is good.
0: Yeah. Another thing is is uh, uh my wife had a a Chevy classic when we met, I know. And I still stayed with her. <laughs> I remember classic. that car. Yeah. It, it's cause it's, i for those who don't know, it's, it's basically the same as like a 2003 Chevy Malibu, the bubbly one. Um, but it's, uh, the fleet version. Uh, but it had been in a, an accident before she received it. And, uh, we could tell there was seam tape on the, uh, like the, edge of the trunk on the inside. If you pop it, that rain channel, uh, on the outside had some tape that was unpainted for the seam tape. And, uh, over the years that she owned it, uh, yeah, she's like, I just can't use the trunk. It's just, it's always wet in there. And, and over the years that we had it, it got worse and worse. Um, until yeah, there was a swimming pool where the spare tire was rusting the spare, the wheel of the spare tire. Uh, so, that's something to to watch out for. Also, is if that thing has you know it's had pre- previous owners, in case there was any damage done to the rear, that could right. uh, be causing that.
1: that. Yeah, there's no. I got. I think that's the one car that hasn't been hit that I've owned in the last ten years.
0: <laughs> Congratulations.
1: Well, so I
0: I would say it's probably the six
1: Yeah, my my guess was under a few. I mean. Um, that was, that was cause I remember you talking about this under before. That was my first instinct was oh. it's got a clogged drip rail somewhere. Probably.
0: Uh, you can get lucky. Some of those are easier to clean out. Uh, you can try compressed air at a low PSI, like not to exceed 15. And if it's just a little bit, you can, you can do that. Otherwise, uh, you know, we took ours to a dealership at great expense and they cleared it out and, Everything's been grand since then. Totally worth doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up on the forums and see if there's an easy fix or you know where the where the the drains run to and yeah, see if that's clogged first. If anything, I mean, I I don't know how long I'll own this this you know the Focus for you know the yeah. next year or two. I don't foresee it's, it staying much longer. Anyway. Yeah,
0: but it's hard to sell a car that's soggy. Right. Uh, is what I would say. That's something that would probably become. Also, uh it can start to kind of mold and rot, and you can very quickly. We ended up selling that car for seven hundred dollars. Um Yeah, and,
1: and that was the the surprising thing for how much water was in there. Nothing else was really wet or moldy or soggy or anything. It was what do I just water in the in the tray or on the spare? I mean, it was kind of surprising, really.
0: Yeah, the X5 was just a little bit of dampness, and then in in about eight months from when we first saw water to then it was starting to show through the carpet. Um, <clears throat> so it can get bad uh, kind of quickly.
1: Yeah, I definitely can. Uh,
0: can you give us a, uh, a quick uh, update on now that you've had the, the Explorer a little bit, do you, is there any thoughts, anything you've enjoyed, anything you you're kind of curious about uh, just quick update on how that's going?
1: I mean, I, I have no complaints so far. Um, you know, what it, it everything runs and drives great. Um, we've discovered it has like a, it's got like an auto hold is what they call it on it. It's kind of interesting where um, you can turn it on basically every time you come to a complete stop with the brake and you, you know, on the brakes and you, if auto hold is on, it's basically a, a line lock and it will hold the brakes for you just Kind of nice, kind of not, depending on your drive style. I used that in the X
0: five when I was uh, picking up uh, my older son from uh, kindergarten uh, last year. Uh, we would, I would be in line, you know, four four wide in this gravel parking lot, and uh, it would take a little while. They'd let you know one in each lane go, and then you'd go forward and you'd stop. Um, and since I'm lazy, I don't want to. I don't want to like keep my foot on there. Um, but also if you put it in park, then everyone starts going and then you're the jackalope who has to put it into gear. But with, yeah, with hill hold, you can just go and stop. I use it in line at like the bank or, uh, to get coffee. Like it's really good for, you know, you're going to have to momentarily go and stop. Not great for like stop and go traffic. Like I thought it would be, it's kind of annoying right. for that.
1: Yeah, kind of is. And the, the kind of the hindrance of it is really Um, if you're on like, you know, normal or eco mode where you come to complete stop, it'll actually turn the motor off, which is nice, you know, for fuel efficiency and whatnot. But if you have both systems on, you have, so basically if you're at a stoplight, light turns green, motors off, um, brake lock is basically on. You have to push onto the accelerator to kick the motor back on and kick off the auto stop.
0: Yes, there's probably a hesitation there that you're not willing to put up with.
1: Yeah, it's the hesitation that kills me. The motor turning on and off is fine because as soon as you let up on the brake at a stop, it kicks the motor back on before you get to the accelerator. So it's a seamless transition. Okay. But the two combined is kind of a nuisance.
0: Another quick survey. How do we feel about stop-start? I had it on the uh, 3 Series, and I've had it on stuff uh, in the past. And I'll say this latest vehicle I had... It did not bother me. It's, it's bothered me before in other things, but with this latest car, uh, the 21, I, I was completely fine. Uh, half the time, I didn't even notice that it happened.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I don't mind it. It's I it's not a bad thing. It's kind of a net neutral for me, but the thing I worry about is longevity-wise is how quick am I going to have to replace a starter?
0: Yeah, I assume that they, they designed them uh, with this in mind.
1: You would think, but also, I've you know the way the way yeah. you know, manufacturing is anymore, things are designed and engineered to fail within sixty to eighty thousand miles. You know, mm-hmm. you gotta have that thought in the back of head of I am going to be replacing a starter in twenty five thirty thousand miles. reading that every day,
2: Dan. You know, I have not really had an experience with one, so I can't speak intelligently about it, but uh, or at least about experience. Theoretically, it sounds good um you know gas is expensive. Yeah, so I've noticed that, that it's
0: uh, when I research it because again I haven't had one long enough to really uh do the the long math on it, but it seems to gain about 1 mile to the gallon, which to Andy's point, 1 mile to the gallon is good, but over 60,000 miles how much money are you saving and if you have to get a new starter for 200 bucks plus labor like right that that doesn't sound like it's such a good deal anymore but if they have a a heavier duty one that is set up for that and it doesn't negatively affect your battery doesn't negatively affect your starter uh, uh you know you don't have to resurface your flywheel earlier if this is all set up to work properly then yeah as and like the the three series if i put it in sport it locks that out which i'm sure the the Explorer has, has something similar. The right,
1: same, same. Yeah. The Explorer and sport won't um, auto start or won't auto stop. I mean,
0: and do you have a button to turn off, start, stop? Cause I know most vehicles yes. also have that as an option. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You can, you can, you can physically walk out. It's got a button for auto stop and it's got a button for auto brake, Basically.
0: And that's what makes it okay for me is if I can opt in or out of right. the system.
2: Agreed. Yes. That is a big deal.
0: Okay. Uh, anything else there, Andy?
1: Oh, pretty sure that covers it. I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Daniel? What's your next car, Andy? Um, you know, it's really a toss-up. I mean, I'd love to have a 350, but that requires me getting rid of the Cobra and the Focus. I could also go the route of a Focus ST or a Focus RS. I mean, it's a toss-up. Depends on how this year goes.
0: I thought about the RS. Like, legitimately, all wheel drive would yeah. be great in all seasons. And
1: there's, and there's also the possibility of going for a Raptor. You want to get the new uh, Raptor with I'm, the flat plane I, 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 I'm waiting to see what actually comes out, what they actually give us for the 21 or 22 Raptor, whatever they're going to build it as.
2: I mean, it'd be sick if they went after Hennessy and made a Velociraptor. Of their own, yeah. But
0: no, they'll leave,
1: I mean, that, they'll leave that up, they're, up to they're, them. They're talking about competing with the TRX. So, yeah, they exactly. would have to something that would compete with the TRX because we know all of us pretty much are not affiliation for Dodge, but, uh, you know, a, a a good competition to the TRX would be nice.
0: I love competition. And actually, uh, two out of three of us here do own a, uh, uh, Mopar product. So, well, Daniel's Daniel's days off from owning a Mopar. Daniel's
1: days off. What Mopar product do you own?
0: The Soto It is still out there.
1: Oh jeez!
0: How thought you cold, that. <laughs> no, it's 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 um, it's a matter of finding the right buyer. Uh, I'm, not oh, gonna, okay. I'm not gonna rush it, but yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's some moving and shaking going on in my garage uh, soon, but nothing to speak of quite yet. But gotcha. I don't know. I'm I'm all for competition, and with that, uh, what was it—the Godzilla motor—and then the uh, updated. A uh, high-performance Godzilla that's supposed to come out from Ford, they could throw that in there—a seven-three gas. Oh yeah, make it a thousand. And I've horsepower. already seen
1: that, and we, and it's already been proven that you, that, that motor can do twelve hundred horsepower. Also, yeah. So
0: there's no reason Ford can't can't do that and no, wipe the TRX exactly. off the off the map. No, so. no reason. And I don't want them to make it a nine hundred horsepower. I want it to be twenty more than than the TRX. Yes. like. Yeah, you know,
1: whatever the TRX is, plus 25. Play the game. Yep.
0: Well, something that'll
2: legitimately beat it. So no, it right. doesn't have it's to beat
1: it. Not. You, leave, you leave room for improvement in yeah, so aftermarket.
0: They can step it up, and then the people that bought the last TRX will buy another one of those. And then the next year, you get to step it up, and the person that bought your car last year is going to buy the new one this, this year. Yeah,
1: right? except for Dodd Except for Dodge has come out and said, though, in this last week that the V8 Hellcats are not long for the world. They're going away from V8s.
0: Yeah, but that what they'll do is they'll put out an 800 horsepower, uh, turbo, tur- twin turbo six, and say, "Look, this one's actually faster and
1: lighter and more fuel efficient." Hence, you're your hence following in Ford's footsteps, aka Ford GT. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. Dodge has always been on the heels. But that is oh, going to sure. be the way of the world. Sure. Look, at, it's going to yeah, be look at all okay. the main manufacturers. You know, look at. You know stuff like McLarens and whatnot now. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't think
0: so. And here's why: I don't think that the ice is is going to be around long enough to keep downsizing it. I think electric is so close. With GM uh, announcing that they were going to be uh, all electric by twenty thirty five. Uh, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think we're going to lose it's... the V eights because. What they'll do is they'll just have, like, a separate company that does these performance internal combustion engine cars, and then yes, everything else will you're, just you're be You're talking
1: electric. Ford will be electric, Dodge will be electric, SVT and SRT will be the niche lines exactly. again. Exactly.
0: So we'll basically have supercar companies from the big three, um, and they will split them off and use the carbon credits and blah, 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 and be de facto uh, all electric, Mm. which I'm all for to have. But I would also like, I would love an electric Mustang next to a GT Mustang. There's no reason to have the turbo four or the V6 anymore. Just have different power Mm. level electrics and then have a V8 for the people that still want one. Because the people that are buying a V8, uh muscle car, a V eight supercar, they're not going to have a profound effect on greenhouse gases, on caffeine numbers, on any of that. Sure. As long as your rank and file cars go electric in the next twenty years, I think that could actually save the V eight.
1: Maybe that's you're just you're not you're not wrong. That that's definitely possible. you're not
0: wrong. Yeah.
2: Okay, unpopular opinion. Wait, tell me if I. Don't think we touched on this last time, but we might have. The Mach E would be a cool car if it didn't. I have think the yes. I think we talked about heard. this
0: in the green room or in group chat, but I don't think we, I don't think with you, Daniel, we we really brought it up.
1: Yeah, we did, we didn't formally hit on it on the episode, but yes, I think we have all had that opinion.
0: I like the car mostly. Okay. Yeah, right. right. At this point, it's just semantics. It's a great car. It, and they need to give it that name to sell it um, to kind of get some momentum going. I understand why they're doing it. Plus, they're a car company. They're out here to make money. They don't care. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I would I would like it better if it had a different name. But the problem is the people that are actually going to spend $40,000 on this car, most of them are going to be more drawn to it because of the name.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's kinda of same thing. You're not wrong. You know, I don't like that they attached Mustang to it, but they are going to sell it to the people for that reason. I would've liked it more if they just if they had just called it the Mach not the Mustang Mach You know, I'm fine yeah. with them using Mach.
2: Well, I've seen some uh-huh. reviews on it. Yeah, I've seen some reviews on it. It looks like um looks like a legitimate car. Like it, it, it could be all actually reviews kind of I've fun. seen are, are, kind of are cool. glowing. Yes. But because electric cars are not a bad no. thing and just don't want to get rid of internal combustion right. altogether.
1: But yeah, you know, give it 10, maybe 15 years, that's going to be the way everything is trending.
0: So I grew up uh, in an equestrian household. Uh, we have a barn, we've always had horses uh, and, you know, different amounts, sometimes five or six horses, sometimes just the one. But I've grown up around them. Uh, I've trained on them. Uh, I did minor rodeo training that just ended with me on the ground. But (laughs) uh, all this to say that the horse was our main source of transportation. It was, it was what hauled our goods. It was what moved people around. And then the car came and the horses uh, got literally put out to pasture. But the horses aren't gone. We still have horses. They're still everywhere. We use our trucks to haul horse trailers. So I don't think the electric car will kill the ice uh, versions of things. I think it will allow them to thrive. So instead of horses living six or seven years, uh, you know, under a yoke, uh, they can be ridden and uh, competed on uh, and they'll last 20, 30 years and, uh, and you know, have a, an easier life. And that's what I expect gas vehicles to become will be something very different. And that way we don't have uh, Corollas and RAV4s using up our fossil fuels. We get to put those in our toys, in our in our toy cars. Mm-hmm. And maybe that'll, you know, if you drive down demand, but supply is still up, imagine if we could, not have to worry about the price of gas. We can buy whatever we want, whatever fuel mileage we want, because when we're commuting, we're doing it in our electric car, and then right. we can just fill up for nothing uh, for our toys. Well,
2: And if you do the math on it, you know, in the world, they say at our current rate, there's enough oil for what? Yeah, but if we get years? rid of,
0: you know, if we get rid of 50% of our consumption, Correct. you know, in, right,
1: right off the bat, you're talking yeah, about 90% of everything going electric in 15, 10 to 15 years. I mean, you're going to get rid of 90% of, you know, fossil fuel burning vehicles.
2: Yeah. And all of a sudden you could have, you know, now we've got oil. All yeah, right. For you're going to stretch
0: significantly. So we could, we could preserve. And I
2: don't think, you know, at the rate of technology is progressing, we're not going to have them <laughs> in yeah. probably 50 years.
1: Yeah. In, 50, in 50 years, years what's so, a 500 horsepower fossil fuel burning car to a. 100% electric 1200 horsepower electric car.
0: Nothing. Well, look at the Model X, look at the Model S. When they go plaid, those things are impossibly fast. I mean, yes. they're talking about deliveries of the Roadster by the, possibly the end of
1: this year. That's That nah, Roadster got delayed another year.
0: Uh that's 1.9 seconds to uh to to 60, like 3.2 to 100. God, that's fast! At a 200-plus mile-an-hour top speed with a 500-mile range, and they're selling it for two hundred thousand dollars.
1: Like that's that's a that's a million less than a Koenigsegg, but that's the same thing.
0: Yeah, how do you how do you how do you say how no do you justify that? that? Yeah, how how do you how do you justify buying anything but that? Right. Yeah, I, for the experience. exactly sure. exactly what it is and.
1: It's going to be, that's going to be it though. You're talking about a collect collection collection car in 20, 30 years. Yep. Yep. You know, but I wouldn't be
2: surprised. A lot of those brands, like, you know, you mentioned Koenigsegg. Well, it's led by Christian von Koenigsegg, who's an engineer by trade and people like that are going to, to look at the,
1: look at the Jamura, look at the Regera.
2: Exactly. So you're going to see you'll see fully electric exactly. And other that things like
0: Exactly. We, we've already Here. seen that with the uh, yes. the Porsche 917 and the P1 McLaren and the like, uh, every, the LaFerrari. Oh, yeah.
2: What is it the Rimm- LaFerrari
0: Rimm- or whatever that other one is? Yeah. Well,
2: those are um, hybrid technology, but I'm talking about full electric. Is it the Rimac? The, Rimm- 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 the one yeah. that's uh, Hammond Rimm- crashed. Rimm- that was like. Fourteen hundred horsepower. There's a there's
0: a newer one already, and I think it's like seventeen hundred or something.
1: Gee, of course.
0: It's like the Bugatti of
1: electric. I mean, just think about it. We're over here playing with sub five hundred horsepower now. Man, I'm happy with two hundred.
0: Like in the right car. Like, what's the focus? What's the focus really put to the wheels right now?
1: Oh God, if it was two hundred on a good day, I'd be surprised, honestly.
0: And so 200 horsepower is still fun. Um, it's still fun, sure. So, yeah, there's, there's, it's not really a problem. Uh, I think that's where things are going, but I, I still think we're going to get to have fun one way or the other.
1: Well, I, I believe that brings us to the end of our 33rd episode of Grouch Night. It certainly does. Um, so, you know, if
0: you, if you like what we're doing, if you want to hear more, uh, if you have anything that you'd like us to cover, any topics, uh, anything like that, or, uh, just, you know, just tell us that you're listening. Uh, you can follow us. Uh, the Instagram's not been super busy. Uh, that's my fault, but you can still email us at tiny dog podcast network at I check that daily. Um, and also I do uh, update the website, tiny dog podcast from time to time also. Um, and so uh, if you know, if you don't want to do that uh, sharing us with your, with your friends uh, you know, having other people listen uh, we do get an anonymous viewer count. So we do get to see uh, which episode you like uh, a little bit, but um, you know, throw a, a rating or review on, on iTunes, on uh uh podcast addict, whatever you use. And, uh, you know, let us know what you think. Uh, it really does make a difference with uh, helping people find the show. Uh, so yeah, without any further ado, um, from all of us here, uh, at the network, we'd like to wish you guys a very good night. Good night, everybody. Good night.
1: listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning
2: wrenches
0: no specifically don't don't touch anything
1: don't touch it what it, what it be
0: okay so now we follow the script which we're always waiting for andy because he's the first
1: one on there Uh, Well, how are we gonna fuck this pigs?
0: Well, you can do it. You can do pig. Pig is fine. It's animal (gasps) noises right there. Okay. (laughs)
1: Here we go.
0: Hello and welcome to Garage Night. I'm Randy.
1: (laughs) I'm waiting for Jeff, and it's not happening. And I'm Andy. And
0: I'm Dan. Hello, and welcome to Garage Night. I'm Randy. I'm I'm Andy. And I'm Dan. (laughs) And And tonight, Andy (laughs) forgets his lines. Andy's cut off. (laughs)
1: This isn't the usual script, Okay, Jessica,
0: this is your cue. He's he's yeah. out.
1: <laughs>
0: <sighs> oh, I'll give you one more, and then I'll just keep. I'll just keep going.